This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. In cities across the country, teacher unions are either threatening a strike or actually taking their members to walk out the door. Teacher pay is one of the top issues as teacher salaries have not kept pace with professional salaries in other industries. But school districts say they have no money. The rising costs of pensions and medical care has left them penniless when it comes to paying teachers what is needed to live on a daily basis. But is this really true? Are school districts that uh, short on cash or are they spending this money that they have on other staff members who are not in the classroom? Are schools actually wasting their money instead of concentrating their resources on the education that children need? Now this is a question that Ben Scaffody, a professor and director of the Education Economic Center at Kennesaw State University has taken a very close look at. And he's uh, repaired, prepared a report for EdChoice that's, uh, that's now available online. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have Ben with me on, edu- on the Education Exchange. Ben, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Paul. Ben, in your report, you say that schools are adding more and more non-teachers to their payrolls. You call this the staffing surge. Just how much of a staffing surge is going on out there? Okay, since 1992, and and I can look as up to 2016, the increase in public school students in America was about 20%. Okay, so then you've had a 20% increase in staff, right? No. We've had a 30% increase in teachers. 30%? So we well, that's okay. Then we have smaller classes. Kind of class sizes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But what I think people didn't know is that we were increasing all other staff, non teachers, by 53%, over two and a half times the increase in the rate of students. So 20% for students, 30% for teachers, and 53% for other staff. And that's between 1992 and 2017. Did this just start in 92, or does this go back further than that? Actually, this goes back to 1950. And it's even more dramatic than this. Uh, From 1950 to the present day, the number of students in American public schools doubled, increased 100%. The number of teachers increased two and a half times that rate. But the number of non-teachers, all other staff, increased over seven times the rate of increase of students. So this has been going on for a long time. Well, back then, I mean, you're talking about the time when we were introducing special ed into American education and as the father of a handicapped child, uh, I, I very much appreciate that change in American schooling. And I know it takes staffing to deal with all the administrative issues that surround the uh, provision of services to the uh, special ed. So is this being driven mainly by special education? Well, I believe it, a lot of that was due to special education and also due to school integration um, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. 80s and early 1990s. Um, but that's why I, I'd like to cut my data in 1992 to the present, and I call that the modern staffing surge. Um, I'm actually investigating right now what's causing this staffing surge, and it could be more special education funding even since 92, but I, but I tried to sort of leave out those earlier years. Yeah, but there's not been that much. Fully integrated students by race into schools, 
and also integrated um, special needs students. Into yeah, but Ben, Ben, there's not been that much increase in special the number of students in special ed in in the last few years. It, that the big increase occurred back that, in the seventies. That's correct. So, so that's an unlikely explanation for the the modern staffing surge, as you call it. Uh, correct. So. Um, you know, what do you think is the cause of it then? Honestly, I don't know. But, but clearly, the preference of the public education system is to increase staff, especially staff who aren't teachers. And even during the Great Recession, when there was a mild decrease in staff, they de the public education system nationwide, they decreased teachers more than they decreased non-teachers by quite a bit. So there was, there was you know, the staffing surge did come to a halt. When the money was tight, as a result of the recession, they did stop the staffing surge for a period of time. Yes, for four years, for, for a four-year period. For four years, you see some decline, though not as much as a decline in the number of teachers being hired. And then when the money starts to flow again, the staffing surge comes back. That's right. I, I, honestly, when I wrote this report, I thought I would call it beyond the staffing surge because of the Great Recession, but instead I called it back to the staffing surge because, like you said, when the money started rolling back in, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, and so on, uh, they went back to hiring more staff, especially staff that aren't teachers. Well, you know, is it because we have breakfast, lunch, and as well as noon lunch now, and we've got more medical services in the schools, and maybe we've got more busing uh, as, as we're, you know, kids can't walk to school anymore? Uh, what could be some of the drivers of this? Those definitely could be drivers. It, it, it could just be plain old feather bedding that unions and public school employee groups want more members. Um, it, it could be, like you said, extra services that, that aren't necessarily academic per se. Um, could be lots of things, and, and I want to investigate that further. So uh, drilling down on this, is there any parts of the country where you're seeing this uh, in spades? Actually, in the southeastern United States, there's less of it. And there's less of this in Arizona and Nevada because they've had such tremendous growth in students their staffing is kind of just keeping up. But everywhere else, the staffing surge is fairly dramatic. You know, northeast, midwest, far west, southwest. You know, but, but again, there's a staffing surge in the southeast. It's just not as dramatic. Only, again, only Nevada and Arizona did not have a staffing surge after 1992. Well, you know, I uh, did some research in Edgewood uh, School District in Texas, the same district that uh, was involved in the court suit that went to the Supreme Court where they decided that there was no federal guarantee that everybody had to have the same amount of money spent on their education no matter where they lived. Uh, so th that was, Edgewood became a very well-known place. And when I visited that community, I learned that they had a rule there that for every teacher that was hired, you had to hire somebody else. You had to have wow. at, at least as, so it, what's, what is it nationwide? Do we have as many non-teachers as we have teachers? Actually, as of 2016, we have 100,000 more non-teachers than teachers. And that is a sharp break with American public school history. Um, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 
we had significantly more teachers than non-teachers, but now there's 100,000 more non-teachers than teachers in American public schools. So I could say that the Edgewood rule has now become a nationwide rule. you got to hire yeah. somebody who's not a teacher every time you hire a teacher. <laughs> that seems correct. <laughs> so this doesn't apply in higher education, does it? Actually, this was going on in higher education, but as you know, several books came out around 2005 or so pointing out that there had been this big increase in administration in higher ed. I actually looked at this in a different paper. You can date it to right when those books came out. The staffing surge in higher ed really moderated after 2005, um, but in public K-12 schools, it still, it still continued. Well, of course, the higher educational system is under a lot of financial pressure as, uh, as student uh, tuition costs have risen and uh, state aid to, to universities has declined, uh, and there's a lot of complaints about the cost of higher education. So they may be under more pressure than the uh, elementary and secondary schools to cut their, cut their uh, you know, the, 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 the bloated parts of their budget. Yes, yes, I completely agree. But, but pre-2005, you know, the, the universities did have a staffing surge, especially administration, but also the, the public school staffing surge was larger prior to that time than it was in higher ed. So it seems like the K-12 system has done a much better job of securing resources for itself relative to universities. Well, what have I missed in our conversation here? Are there some um, pieces? You know, I'm an economist, right? So we like to talk about opportunity costs. So the public schools have been getting more money. Right? From 1992 to 2016, real spending per student in American public schools, you know, adjusted for inflation on operational spending, increased 33%. So we were, taxpayers were spending 33% more in real terms per student in 2016 versus 1992. And, and part of that, of course, went to the staffing surge. But where did it not go? As you said in your introduction, it didn't go into teacher salaries. During that time period, teacher salaries actually declined by a tenth of a percentage point adjusted for inflation from 1992 to 2016. Now, some of that increase in spending, of course, went to benefits. Some, like you said, went to pension payments. Some went to the staffing surge. Um, but it didn't go to teacher salaries. Well, okay, so, so we see salaries going down, but we actually see total compensation. Has that gone down, or is it just that the money no, has shifted? It actually, it's gone up because of increases in benefit costs. Yeah, but a lot of those benefit uh, costs actually go to people who aren't teaching anymore, retired teachers, to, to pay right. into the pension fund because they didn't put the money in when they should have. That's right. And, and, and think about it this way, Paul. When you keep adding staff in excess of your increase in students, it's a double whammy to the pension system, right? Because that's money, you know, taxpayers are giving more and more money to public schools. That's money not going to pay for the unfunded pensions and the unfunded retiree health benefits, and then you're adding more people into that unfunded system. So is this why <laughs> teachers are so upset today that their, their salaries aren't going up and, and other people's salaries are, and, and, and yet uh, the school districts like Los Angeles say, that we can't pay you anymore because, because we, 
you know, our pension costs are rising, our medical costs are rising. We just can't afford it. Yes, and, and, and you can see why they're frustrated, the teachers. And where I got the idea to write this staffing search paper was from public school teacher friends. They told me we keep hiring all these people outside the classroom, um, and, and, and they're frustrated. And it's interesting you bring up Los Angeles. Um, I cite this report by uh, Lisa Snell and her colleagues at the Reason Foundation. So just a very short time period, fiscal year 14, 2014 to 2018. Spending per student adjusted for inflation in Los Angeles public schools went up 27%. That's a dramatic increase in a short period of time. But salary and benefits, so that she's including benefits, only went up 10%. And then they had a staffing surge at that time, especially among administrators, other certified staff, and classified staff. So, so Los Angeles, it's very ironic that you know they're having the, the, the issues they're having right this second in terms of teacher strikes, because they did get a big increase in money, but it didn't, by and large, go into teachers' pockets. Well, Ben, this is a fascinating topic. I think you've just uh, opened up uh, this subject because there's a lot more that could be done to uh, see exactly why this is going on. I, I know you had, where, where did you get your data and, and what are the other possibilities that you have there? Okay, um, I got the data. Every state department of education sends in data every year to the National Center for Education Statistics at the U.S. Department of Education. And one of the data uh, pieces they give are how many people are employed in the public schools and how many of them are teachers. They do have more granular data on who these non-teachers are, but it's not consistent across years. So, so like paraprofessionals might be counted as paraprofessionals one year by the state DOE, but the next year, the state DOE might count them as other support staff. So there are a lot of gyrations, but the teacher, non-teacher numbers are, are consistent across years. So the thing um, about teachers the, is that they have to be certified, and you sort of know a teacher is a teacher, right? Uh, correct, I, sometimes correct. they use teachers in non-teaching positions, don't they, as guidance counselors? or? Yes, uh, and they're supposed to be coded appropriately. So if I'm a full-time employee, and I teach for two-thirds of the day, I should be counted as you know, 0.66 of a teacher and 0.34 as a counselor. And so it, uh, that's how they're supposed to be coded if they're doing part of their day as non-teaching. So you think that the identification of the number of teachers is pretty accurate? Yes. And you think yes. that the identification of everybody else is pretty accurate? Yes. But you are a little bit reluctant to sort of say what percentage are bus drivers, what percentage are kitchen workers, and what percentage are administrators, and et cetera, et cetera. Th that's right. And because and, um, that was my plan at the beginning of this, right, was to you know, get the granular categories and see where the staffing surge is coming from. And so when I talk about this publicly, I tell people, get the personnel files from your state. Those are open public records. And Lisa Snell did that for Los Angeles because she had heard me speak. And I told other people, do this in your state, and so you can see where the staff, what's causing the staffing surge in your state. And uh, honestly, someday I'll probably go around and get all those you know, decades of personnel files myself and see what's causing it in various states. Yes, because I think we would like to, to learn more exactly where is this all coming from and uh, 
and why is it? And, and maybe there are some good reasons for some of this. I mean, it's, it, it, there must be some logic to it. It can't be just total uh, urge to grow. But, um, but on the other hand, uh, we just don't know because uh, the way they gather the data now doesn't uh, make it that easy for us to tease things out. I agree with you completely, Paul. It's a great point. And I'll just tell you one thing that's interesting. Um, if you look across states, the pattern isn't the same. Some states have different levels of staffing. Some states have had different staffing surges than others. There's no rhyme or reason. And then I've looked at school district level data within probably 20 or 30 states, and there's no rhyme or reason within the state. So let, let's say someone said it was all federal mandates causing the staffing surge. If that was true, you would either see similar levels of staffing across states or similar patterns and changes. We don't see that. If it was all federal and state mandates, you would see similar levels of staffing across districts within a state or different rates of change in districts within a state. You don't. It's all over the place. So it does seem like just that cursory look, and I want to investigate this more, but just at a cursory level, it does seem like that maybe all three levels of government are contributing to the staffing surge via mandates and regulations and what have you, or just preferences. Well, Ben, we are certainly looking forward to uh, the uh, new studies that you're going to produce as you uh, look more deeply into a field that uh, has been under-analyzed up until now. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me on the Education Exchange. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Thanks for your interest. I have been speaking with Ben Scaffody, uh, professor and director of the Ed Education Economic Center at Kansas State University. Thank you, Ben, for joining me today on the Education Exchange. Thanks, Paul. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.